Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Game Changers, brought to you by Watch Your Game. In this series, I aim to explore the minds of people working in the Web3 gaming industry. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hello everyone, and welcome back to today's episode of Game Changers, brought to you by Watch Your Game. Today we're talking with David, uh, gaming at Offchain Labs. So David, what's your backstory? Hey Felix, thank you for having me. Um, been a long time fan of your content, so I'm really pleased to join your show. Um, yeah, so I focus on gaming at Offchain Labs. Offchain Labs was the builders of Arbitrum. Um, the company started around four years ago and built Arbitrum, a scaling solution for Ethereum. Um, the, my, I joined the company around one year ago now. Um, before that, I was working in computer science, and um, that was in the energy industry, I was doing computer science, but it was a little bit slow for me and not that exciting. So I started building my own NFT analytics tools and a website for that as well, like an NFT aggregator. So that was kind of a side hobby. Um, and yeah, brought it all together to do NFTs and gaming at Offchain Labs. So um working with lots of really interesting gaming teams in web3 and absolutely loving it it's been so good so far <laughs> definitely sounds like it's a more interesting move for sure um yeah. with gaming at Ultram Labs, what is your kind of day-to-day -day job how, how are you involved in games and the different projects yeah so I work in the partnerships team and what that means is we have games that are building on Arbitrum. They need some support getting in touch with the best gaming infrastructure and really encouraging them to use that infrastructure. A big part of um, sort of the, the barrier to adoption, I would say, for Web3 gaming is the user experience. And there is fantastic wallet solutions out there. There is gas abstraction, all of this stuff. And, the, the gaming teams don't always know about that. So a big part of it is getting them in touch with the right infrastructure and encouraging the use of that. Um, another part is obviously working with game teams that haven't yet chosen a chain. They're wondering why they should choose Arbitrum or different chains. So explaining the sort of value proposition for them um, is very important because there's a lot of uh, information overload in Web3. So, yeah, that's pretty much the day-to-day -day of it. And I'm really helping games succeed on Arbitrum. That's the biggest focus. And I'm guessing with that, you've got to chat to a lot of games as you're going through it. Just, mm. it might not be from a kind of professional angle, but just from a someone who's interested in gaming anyway. Is there mm. anything from the projects that you've kind of seen a common pattern between the ones that end up doing better, ones that actually get to, I don't know, a playable game? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a few red flags for me. I think the biggest one is if you're on a website for a game or on a call and it's all about the token first and just talking, talking, talking. It's like, I think the industry's kind of feeling a little bit um, like there's too many tokens at the moment. So um, there really has to be a focus on the game. For me, that's what's most interesting. Um, we don't filter anything like if they've got fundraising or not. Some of the some of the most successful games in Web3 are indie teams, um, even quite small ones. So 
Um, we try, or we, do, we don't um, filter on that kind of element of it. Um, but yeah, trying to look for gaming first teams and not token first is the big one. And I think as a kind of arbitrant as a chain, it's definitely been making some great moves in that. I know that even six months ago, because I, I don't do too much outside of the gaming space i didn't really know much about it uh and then one project was on it so i had to get some get some eth over there then another project was there then another project and then i think now i probably cover almost one a week on arbitrum across all of them it seems to have quite a, a an explosion of games is that something that you'd agree with and is there anything behind that yeah for sure um i think when when games are um, working for a chain, it's obviously important to have like a really good tech platform. Arbitrum is known for that, but also the liquidity is very important. Um, a general purpose chain like Arbitrum, there's a lot of reasons to keep your own personal funds on that because you can do various different elements. You can do gaming, DeFi, just basic trading. You can do all of this stuff. Um, and that's what's really important for games is that they can find the liquidity. So when you compare that to like a gaming specific chain, nobody really leaves their money on sort of a, game, a, a specific chain um, for a specific use case. So the liquidity on them is a lot, a lot lower. So um, yeah, game teams are choosing Arbitrum probably around two to three um, games announced Arbitrum per week at the moment. Um, ranging from small indie teams to quite successful and promising Web3 teams. Um, so yeah, I would say that's a big driver and the chain is obviously extremely fast. That's a big part of the user experience as well. It's like 0.25 seconds for a transaction to go through or half a second sometimes. And then the EVM world, that's normally two seconds. So I think a lot of people underestimate the importance of that. Um, they kind of feel like you submit a transaction and you walk away, but the reality is that you submit an approved transaction, you wait for that to go through, and then you do a swap or a mint or something like that. So the speed is very, very important, but it's something that not a lot of people talk about in Web3 actually. Um, so yeah, various different reasons why they come to Arbitrum, but I would say those are the two standout points. I think the speed's a really interesting point, especially as we're still in a, an area right now where what a web, what is a Web3 game still gets debated a lot, whether it's just a game with some gating behind NFTs, maybe it's just got some NFT integration, or whether it's actually like a fully on-chain game um, to be Web3 is definitely something that still gets debated. In your kind of experience of playing the different games that kind of come across, how are you finding kind of fully on-chain games and how do you see kind of those being successful and and does the kind of speed end up actually playing into that yeah definitely um we obviously have like a very wide spectrum um of adoption of blockchains and gaming from like the web 2.5 token gated approach and somewhere in the middle you have like you can mint items like swords or whatever else if you want to like i would call that like sort of a lazy minting setup but there is more than just token gating and then you have the, the extreme end with everything on chain um so we have a few really strong on-chain games in arbitrum 
um, such as Pirate Nation, um, pretty much everything's on chain, I believe. That the full game runs on chain and there's nothing on a server, um, from what I understand, the actual mechanics of it. Um, and yeah, we have also another one deployed last week, Rasco, um, like a board game, everything's on chain as well. So, but definitely a novelty, I would say, the on chain element. Um, I, I don't think it's necessary for adoption, um, but I do think it is a vertical that people are, like the more crypto native, are appreciative of so the novelty aspect is important so i think it's very important um but yeah i've talking about the mass market of gaming i'm not sure that is much of a value proposition to them the on-chain the fully on-chain element yeah i think i think i'd agree with that final point that the even at if it goes quicker and you mentioned Pirate Nation, which I've had the chance to play, and they've got a kind of a gasless system set up, so things are a bit quicker. Again, it still limits kind of the genre, limits the kind of style of game. Um, I, I do I do like the aspects that some of the games uh, have been doing on Arbitrum with that. And I, I don't think it's chain-specific. It's just kind of where I've seen it more is being able to see what other players have done because of that. So Pirate Nation has a full history. If someone else goes out and... Uh, find some treasure everyone sees it straight away because it is a transaction and they have that actually within the kind of the player user interface which mm. i think is an interesting way of getting people who maybe wouldn't look at the blockchain wouldn't look at transaction hashes normally to actually be a bit more kind of integrated into the blockchain side of things yeah um to pivot slightly you i'm going to assume you get to play loads of games or at least look at loads of games being played but in your life, what has the game that you've played the most? Yeah, there's a very clear standout one for me. Um, so I'll probably I'll dox my age here, but in 2002, I picked up RuneScape Classic, um, and that just it just grasped me like to an extreme level. Like, I think I must have put like ten to fifteen thousand hours on it when I was at school. I lived in the countryside, so. Um, it was a huge part of my childhood, RuneScape. I think it must have been like top 15 in the world at one point. In it. Um, so that was an awesome experience, actually. It did obviously hamper my education performance during that period. However, I would say like it's such a such a good life, um, life tutor, um, these type of games. There was lots of hurdles, lots of scams people sending you files trying to hack your runescape account to sell it for money like all of this stuff you just learned like real life lessons um and i think it's a large part of sort of why how i can navigate the crypto space a lot of people do have the same experience um that they played runescape a lot when they were younger and um they're more they're more switched on as a result. So that's been the biggest one for me. Um, last year and the first part of this year, I've been trying to focus on just purely Web3 gaming. However, sometimes um, I do relapse to Fortnite, um, which I absolutely love. Um, uh, so yeah, RuneScape for me. I think the lessons learned from RoomScape is actually quite, like you mentioned, quite a common tale. Like a lot of the people who have come into the space yeah. talk about trading and people are talking about things which are kind of brand new and everyone's like, oh, we did that in RoomScape. Like you, if you knew, if you uh, look back a bit, a lot of what Web3 is trying to emulate has already been done in RoomScape. 
And that's always, I don't know, people have two arguments for that. Some people argue, well, that's why Web3 is going to succeed. But then the yeah. other argument is, well, that was ages ago and it was Web2 and it worked. So kind of, it's sometimes difficult to use it as a good case. But I think the the idea of protecting your stuff and not getting scammed is definitely something that you learn quickly when you've sunk that much time into a game and you don't want to lose it. And yeah. you're going to get a lot more attached to something. I think you probably get more attached than even if you spent money on it. Like just that sheer time. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, in my mind, like if you download an image from the internet, it doesn't mean much to you. But if you buy it as an NFT, well, at least for some of us, um, it's a deeper level of engagement. So I, I do believe that digital assets are very important. Um, and a really interesting point about RuneScape and other MMOs. I had the pleasure of speaking to um, the designer of a large MMO recently, quite extensively. And um, they're saying that basically there is a play-to-earn element of these. Like the gamers don't want to admit it, but the, the data shows that if you go on some of the websites, there's hundreds of millions of dollars of these RuneScape, World of Warcraft and other items getting traded every year. And that's all that's all um, royalties that the sort of jagexes of the world, the maker of RuneScape, is missing out on. They're trying to cramp down, clamp down on this grey market. No one's happy. People are getting scammed. And I think blockchains can really clean all of that grey market stuff up. So um, I do think that RuneScape would be better if it had um, a Web3 integration to a certain extent. But we'll see. I think the important bit is what you kind of touched on there, that none of what you mentioned really affects the gameplay. It's accounting. And that's where blockchain, in my mind, works the best. It is a form of accounting. So having trades, having proof of items so you don't get scammed because you can see that person's already got it, That that's good. It's not going to change the way... You wouldn't want it to change how RuneScape actually played, but how people traded in it. And I think... Like why people play to earn, I think no one's ever going to be able to use that as a as a term again. I think it's already killed itself. But the, it definitely yeah. is in MMOs. Like you'll have people who they so I didn't do RuneScape, but I did World of Warcraft. People will grind their herb so they find the herbs. They they'll grind mining. They'll then grind blacksmith. They're yeah. not doing that just for fun. They know oh, if I get all these herbs, I can make this potion. I can sell that potion. The potion. It might just be for in-game stuff or like the grey market. They then sell it. But people don't hate it as much in that. I think there's certain games that people hate it more. And I think in MMOs, that life kind of job aspect is definitely more accepted. Um, and it takes time. Like yeah. in, in MMOs, there is a grind to it. Like if they gave the money away for free, maybe yeah. it wouldn't be as like kind of rewarding for it as it goes through. Yeah. Looking kind of back across um, towards Arbitrum and just as a chain in general, with... Arbitrum, I know there's quite a few strong communities on there already who are building out. How important do you see kind of community builds within a chain and an ecosystem being for further promoting is probably the wrong word, but making a chain seem attractive to new projects? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think on a lot of chains, there's sort of lots of different games and they all kind of seem like standalone entities with not much mixing between them. Um, and I do think that the collaborative effort is very important. Um, so that's where Treasure Dial obviously deployed on Arbitrum very early um, with a focus on interoperability and 
a really strong ecosystem and the games that just deploy through there, um, they just find a much greater audience than if they hadn't. And it's because they join like a collective basically that you trust the Treasure Dow brand to properly vet a game um, and that you will probably align with um, the team on it. So I think the collective um, the collective and community element is very, very important in Web3. Um, and that also exists outside of Treasure Dow as well um, on Arbitrum. So it's a huge focus for us, um, getting people to work together. So, that yeah. idea of not kind of trusted i, I think I, trusted might not be quite the right word but the fact that someone's already looked at a project because yeah. when i first started i was scratching around a bit to find any game to play whereas now mm. there's so many games vying for your attention that mm. if you've got a go-to place or a few go-to people that mm. can kind of weed out the stuff that maybe it's good but it's just not ready yet or maybe mm. it is terrible that mm kind of element of community can be really beneficial for players and then if you're someone building yeah. having having their support so you know that maybe you'll get picked up in the noise i yeah. think that's i think that's worth anyone considering because if you don't have yeah. players you don't really have a game so <laughs> yeah. i definitely think definitely think that's in there um, yeah. touching on players I know that having players is a difficulty for a lot of projects and a lot of well, Web3 in general, but what would you say is the biggest challenge facing Web3 right now? Yeah, so I made a tweet about this earlier in the week, but I think like the meta is that is the user experience and the onboarding with the wallet and the seed phrase. A lot of people think that that's the main barrier to adoption, but I actually don't think that is the case. Um, I think if you were to speak with anyone off the street or anyone at a gaming shop or anywhere um, in the general public, you would say to them, like, where do you go to play a game or find a game? The answers are limited to five different places, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch, Steam, and the app stores. Like, that's the five places that people play games. That's where you find them, pretty much. Um, I would say like 95% of the world's games are discovered through those five platforms. Um, and yeah, Web3 games are not on any of that. Like the mobile market um, for gaming makes up about 50% of the gaming market. Um, Steam and makes up about 20% and consoles make up about 30 and Web3 is just not there. Like it's just not got a presence in them. So it's kind of locked out of this whole this whole world um, where people find and play games. So I think it's a discoverability and the distribution that is not there. Um, that that makes me excited because I think that um, that will be solved in the next year or two. I would say like Epic Games is opening up. Um, the blockchain gaming, the Epic Game Store, and a few others are trialing things as well. I'm quite optimistic for mobile gaming. Um, I've heard some rumours of it easing up there behind the scenes. So um, that's the biggest barrier to me. Um, I'm sure that some of the big game studios would um, integrate a blockchain element if they could do it in their existing Steam distribution, but they can't. So they just don't bother um, because it would lock them out of that channel. 
I'm, I'm going to agree with you, especially the wallet one, because I signed up for uh, Apple Music to put this podcast on there, self-plug. Um, <laughs> and I had to give my, like, loads of details about myself, then my email address, then I had to do two-factor author authorization yep. to put code into the website. Then, because I don't have an iPhone, I had to go to a separate website to validate that my account was now logged in. Mm-hmm. that's not that many more steps that if anything i think that's more steps than making a wallet and i did it and i didn't i didn't really get anything because i've not got a subscription so i'm not listening there but it was yeah. because i needed one thing from there so i don't think i think you're right on the fact that the wallet might be a pain but it's not much more than a pain than kind of account creation normally i think that yeah. that distribution one's interesting um i did a poll recently only like 150 people, so not really statistically relevant, but interesting and nonetheless that everyone even, and this is going to just be Web3 crowd, every time they've found a Web2 game, YouTube, App Store, Steam, like you mentioned, um, and maybe Twitch. No one finds Web2 games on Twitter. No one. And yet all of, nearly all of crypto budget for marketing is in Twitter. So they're just fishing in the same pool. And I think the quicker that they can, if they're they're not going to get on the app stores because of policy reasons, then you need to be advertising elsewhere. And I think it is that distribution discoverability bit. And I think that's more solvable. I think everything else is harder. I think that's more solvable. So I'm I'm also pretty optimistic. I think, I think we will see an explosion of audience. I don't think it's quick. I think we've still got a while, but we're getting a lot more games that have had longer to cook at this point. So they're not just spat out terrible versions yeah. of a Web 2 game. We're starting to actually see games that were intended to be new games. So yeah. I'm, I am optimistic. And kind of continuing with the optimistic vibe, what are you excited for in the next three to six months? Um... Obviously, I'm biased, but the Arbitrum gaming ecosystem, there's been lots of announcements of games coming to Arbitrum in the past three to six months. And um, yeah, they're all, a lot of them are coming online in the next few months as well. So obviously, yesterday, Mighty Action Heroes announced in the next week or two, the playtest for that will go wide. So that'll be awesome. Um, so Battle Royale. Battle Royale is my thing just now, so I'm super optimistic for that. Um, we obviously have like some really strong indie teams, like Bitmates is an MMO and it kind of leans exactly into the RuneScape narrative, where you can grind, you can earn in-game assets and then convert those into um, blockchain assets, so um, that's awesome. Um, AI Arena is really exciting to me. Um, that's coming to market really strongly with a strong community and way in the team there is doing a fantastic job of keeping people engaged up until the point where it'll be playable later this in the next um, few months for the mass market i would say um and yeah lots of lots of interest in gaming coming to arbitrum um so i'm super super excited you mentioned three games and i've played all three and they are i do like them like ai arena I played yeah. in the very first ever tournament they had. And yeah. then as they've let more people in, I've slowly got worse in my rankings because yeah. everyone else coming like when I when I started there wasn't as much competition. And slowly yeah. more and more people have come in who who are actually yeah. a lot better. So I think last time 
I think to be counted as like essentially a winner for kind of the prizes, you need to be top 75 and I was 74th. So yeah. <laughs> I'll have to, it, it's good enough this time, but it does make me worry the, for the next ones if they come up. Nice. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. I think there's loads of good games coming out. And I think it's a variety of genres that are coming out now. Like we had so many... I've actually got back into card games. I was going to say so many card games coming out, but recently I've been doing a lot of the roguelite um, card game battlers. Um, and they've actually, I didn't, I didn't used to be very good, but they've started to draw me in a little bit more. So, but now we are seeing kind of more of those genres kind of come through. And I think that that's going to be interesting, especially for, like you say, getting it mainstream because people don't yeah. always just want to pick the same, same genre yeah. all the time. Exactly. Yeah. You've, you've mentioned that you kind of, we're doing Web3, your NFT analytics as kind of a hobby to start with, and now you're full-time Web3. We see a lot of people on Twitter, see people in Discords trying to get into the into the space in for a professional sense. For someone looking to work in Web3 kind of permanently, what tips would you have? I think in terms of acquiring um, a role, then having like a demonstrable track record um like doing a hobby project that's very relevant and interesting is kind of what what my way in was um so i think having that um is very important um so it doesn't have to be anything major but just something that has a niche and you can do it yourself within a few months is probably a good start um on the flip side there's obviously lots of different projects and what was really important for me was picking one that was sustainable. Um, a lot of projects are just, they have no revenue. They literally are just like token inflation and token subsidized. Um, that's something that I would recommend people try and stay away from, from because it's just not, not here for the long run. So picking one, a project that has a revenue stream or a, a view to getting a revenue stream is very important. It's not, it's not emphasized enough in this space, um, this revenue stream. Um, so yeah, that would be my two tips. <laughs> I think the revenue stream can even be um, simplified down to pick a project that knows it's a business because yeah. there's so many that fall into the passion project side of things, which is fine. Love passion projects, but as someone mm. who's either going to look for a job there or looking to buy into it, I, I kind of want them to understand the business a little bit like the idea of revenue. Um. <laughs> it's not talked about enough in this space. One website that I'm absolutely obsessed with is called cryptofees.info. Um, and it basically calculates like the revenue on a daily basis from all the chains and various different projects. And it's, it's honestly incredible. Some of the, these chains are like making $500 per day in income and um, they're worth billions of dollars. And it's like, <laughs> no sense to me. Um, and they don't care. Like they literally have no interest in having the revenue. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's very important is if you're looking for like a long-term role, then pick something that has, has a working business model <laughs> in the real world. Yeah. No, the real world sometimes needs to get paid. <laughs> um, and if people want to hear more of your thoughts, where's the mm. best place to follow you? Uh, I would say Twitter. 
um Kokoda East is my handle um so yeah definitely twitter <laughs> well thanks for joining us today it's been really good talking to you some great insights into the space and into gaming and i'm sure i'll see you around in the space at some point awesome thank you very much for having me and also everything you do for the space i think you're pushing web3 gaming adoption um ahead actually i think it's very important the content that you put out so really pleased uh, to come on the on the chat with you thanks thanks for listening join us next time for more insights into the world of web3 gaming and if you need to experience more web3 gaming content search for gaspo wd on all content platforms and remember to look for games that you enjoy i'll see you next time